The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Uh, what am I? You're an elf caller. What's You're an elf? Yasna. Oh, I'm... Uh, hell yeah! <laughs> I'm Yasna! None of us are surprised at that at all. No. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because he wants to be able to be anywhere else than here right now. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to the Legendarium Podcast. My name is Craig Hanks, and uh, I'm going to be your host for today, just like I am all the time. And over here, well, he's cremier than the windward side of an Alethi barn. It's Ryan Bruckman. And just as difficult to scrape off. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Uh, And I've recently learned the secret of her extensive notes. Turns out they're mostly love notes to Teravangian. It's Megan Smythe. (laughs) I will kick you in your spheres and shove you under the bed. (laughs) And if he were a Parshendi, his skin would be purple, marbled with pralines and sadness. It's Todd Wenty. Not pralines, but definitely sadness. Yeah. Definitely. So welcome, you guys, and uh, welcome to all of you as well. You'll notice uh, if we all kind of do this, huh? we got huh? we got gifts from Ken Johnson, who you don't see here, but you will you will hear him in a moment. Uh, Ken gifted us with, I, I guess this is what he thinks of us. <laughs> is that right? Like this is Ken's assessment of our characters. There so you go. Todd's the bondsmith because he's the old man. Yes, and, that's accurate. Yeah. Soon, and because I... to be the old man in the sky. There, it's, let's go with that. You're right. <laughs> uh, we've got our light, we- light weaver in Megan. Uh, apparently, do you draw or anything? Is that? Uh, yes, I do. Oh, that's fantastic. Also, I have four brothers, so... Ryan Makes is a sense. windrunner because he only likes Kaladin and nobody else. Uh, what am I? You're an elf caller. What's You're an Yasna. Elf? Oh, I'm... Uh, hell yeah! <laughs> I'm Yasna! None of us are surprised at that at all. No. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because he wants to be able to be anywhere else than here right now. And he <laughs> uh, so because the, he can't resist telling everybody exactly what they need to know, giving uh-huh. the lectures. <laughs> um, I will also note... Now, I'm talking about our t-shirts, but of course, the people who are listening can't see them and if you can't see them you really need to go on youtube and subscribe to the legendarium podcast there there, where we're going to be posting a lot more stuff coming up you'll notice again if you're watching and not just listening that the studio is coming together it still sounds terrible because i haven't like put up all the foam and everything but we've got a few things up now i i dare say it looks slightly better than the uh than the mudded uh, drywall that we had for the last one. Uh, anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy the quality of the videos and, and they it will soon outstrip the quality of the conversation, I assure you. Anyway, uh, I'll also mention uh, thelegendarium.reddit.com. Thank you, thank you, everybody who went to Reddit and uh, and participated in the notes there i asked for notes and questions from everybody and we got a good response this week so we've got a few things to go over uh and uh, of course patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can support the show uh thank you everybody who who does that you made what you're looking at possible i could have done this on my own but uh, my credit card would have been really pissed 
And uh, so would your wife. And so would my wife. Anyway, so I, so I would not have done this. Anyway, no, I, it's because of you that this is possible. And so I'm still working on a name for this studio. Uh, I've talked about the house that Kaladin built, the, the house that Randall Thor built. Uh, what are some other, like, I, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe I'll make we that should call a, this, uh, a contest. We should call point. it Urithiru. Urithiru. Uh, I'm good. But... I told you we're going to need to, we have to name it the Sandersonian. The, Sanders the Sandersonian. Yeah, I have heard that one. I like that. Anyway, I like that. Uh, okay, so today we are talking Oathbringer Part 5 and the book as a whole. I don't anticipate that we'll get to a ton of the interludes today. There's just too much book. And so mm -hmm. it's possible that we could come back to the interludes. And I'm not saying we can't talk about them. I just don't anticipate that it will be a focus of today's discussion. So I just want to set expectations now. Um, anyway, so we'll go through part five. We'll talk about the book as a whole. And at the end, I'm really excited because I want us to make some predictions about uh, where the series is going to go. And this is great. We've never done this before because we're. this is a series that is not finished that none of us know anything really about at this that's point. That's true, that's true. And so uh, so when we make predictions, there's nobody that's going to be snickering at this point. But I will say, I went back over the last day or two and listened to our old Wave Kings episodes. It's about, it's like episode 101 through 105 or something like that, um, if you want to go listen. And some of the predictions we made were hilarious. Some were spot on. There was somebody on Reddit who said, uh, who said, I, I don't want to stroke Craig's ego. Well, stroke away, my friend. <laughs> uh, but I, apparently I made a, uh, shut up. I made a prediction about. We the... literally gave him his own camera the same time. So. <laughs> Way to go, Ryan. Way to go. Uh, I, I made a prediction about the fact that the Parshendi are, uh, or that the humans were not native to Roshar. I didn't even remember saying that, but somebody said that I that I had said that, and so I was I was going back trying to find that, and I didn't find it. Uh, but anyway, so we'll make some predictions today. Uh, let's talk about this book then. First things first, obviously, it's Ken it's Johnson Ken time. time. Yeah. So let's get Ken going right now. Hooray! Confession time here. I had a hard time putting this Stormlight insight into words, but then Dalinar reminded me that the most important recap a man can write is not the first one, but the next one. So here we go. Odium and his army and his Everstorm have arrived at Thalen City just as Dalinar's coalition dissolves and the remnants of Task Force Kolinar try to talk or punch their way out of the cognitive realm. The evil red fog of the thrill envelops Amaram's army, putting them squarely on Team Hate. Voidbringers control Thunderclass like it's Roshar and Rim. Odium has pretty much everything right where he wants him for his release. So a desperate Dalinar plays his final card, challenging Odium to single combat of champions. That's good, except in doing so he hands Odium his champion, Dalinar himself. Turns out Odium has for years used the thrill and Dalinar's own natural fighting brilliance to groom him into the perfect champion of hate. And it nearly works, until Dalinar finds the most important words a man can say. I will take responsibility for what I have done. Maybe Amram and the rest of Team Sadius should have gone to the Blackthorn finishing school for recovering thrill addicts because they missed the lesson. While Azamir tries to flee Sanderson's very own John Carpenter nightmare, look it up or ask your horror film nerd friends, Lift kicks her captors in the jimmies and to Megan's sure delight returns to be awesome with Zeth, who uses his third ideal oath to swear fealty to the ideals of Dalinar. And it probably doesn't hurt that he witnesses the artist formerly known as the Blackthorn create honors perpendicularity and knock down 
all of the walls. He unites all three realms, giving the others a path home. He unites at least one of every Radiant Order on Team Good Guy, except that darn Dustbringer. And he even manages to unite all three Legendarium levels of story together. And from there, all the punching breaks loose. Kaladin with a spear gets to do all sorts of Kaladin things and finally gets his revenge against evil Crystal Armor Amaram. Shallan illusions armies like she's never done before. A Zeth and Lyft team up. Yasna laying absolute waste to all comers. Adolin and a newly invigorated Battle General Renarin chopping down Thunderclass and directing traffic. Teth the Radiant and Bridge 4 literally flying in to help. And when the dust settles, Dalinar has bottled up the thrill into a massive ruby. Odium remains contained and Daravangian cops to all of his dirty eyebrow twirling schemes and still somehow comes away without being run through by a Stormblade. Tangent alert, remember that time when Dalinar summoned the Stormfather as a Shardblade? He summoned the freaking High Storm. Speaking of folks coming clean, Adolin cops to killing Sadius, tying off that thread in disappointing fashion, and Shallan and Adolin marry thankfully tying off the love triangle story, but with Elikar still moashed, Alethkar needs a monarch, and Adolin's refusal paves the way for a stroke of genius in Queen Yasna. Who doesn't want a queen who can vaporize trouble at the wave of her hand? <sighs> kind of feel like I need a cigarette. But, how is Teravangian still not dead after the crap he pulled? What is the fourth Windrunner ideal that Kaladin couldn't yet say? What does Hoyd have planned for the cryptic that he rescued that was clearly meant to turn Elikar into a lightweaver, stupid Moash? What and or where is Stormfather's and Nightwatcher's elusive sibling? What in the world is that freaky dagger that Moash used to kill an actual herald? Radiance Roundtable, let's get to the discussin'. <laughs> well done. Speaking of needing a cigarette, <laughs> that was that was amazing. He he's getting better at that. Yeah. He was good the first time, but he's getting better at that. And I was I was thinking, so he had three minutes. I was just over three minutes. He probably packed like five minutes worth of at least. stuff in there. At least. He talks so fast. I was thinking of it because I know some of our listeners turn up the speed on their uh, on their podcatcher. <laughs> and so they listen to us at 1.5 or maybe even two times speed. They heard nothing that Ken just said. <laughs> Dogs in the nearby neighborhood went, huh? <laughs> uh, so, anyway, well done, Ken. Now let's start talking about, uh, about Oathbringer Part 5. First thing I want to mention, uh, this is a big moment for Odium versus Dalinar. Now, I just want a reminder off the bat, Odium, does it mean hate? Because Ken seems to be equating the two of them. Does it mean hate or is it slightly different? Pretty much. Yeah. It, it's all of the passions, all emotions. Oh, it's just passion? Like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that, because Odium, I, I assume it's like from a Latin root that I haven't looked up yet, so... But it it's, sounds like hate. Probably. He's he's very driven, like like Megan said, he's very driven by passions. That's why when he's dealing with the listeners and everything, he's it's all about yeah, you know, giving passions and rhythms and rhythms through that. Um but he's very much associated with um hate um as one of the more stronger and more powerful of those because you have other things, other of the sixteen shards. Um, ruin is also another very destructive force and things like that that you're looking at, but you know, he's, I, I consider him the embodiment of hate. Okay. All right. Uh, well, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about what happens uh, in this section. The first thing, I guess, that we should talk about is that confrontation, that initial confrontation. I know this is kind of diving into the heavy stuff right away, but it's the part that, that 
gosh, this is once again kind of uh, Brandon Sanderson's face melting guitar solo of authorship, where you know he's it's it's not flashy writing. So I don't mean the guitar solo that way. It's the part where he has cultivated these characters and this storyline until such a time where he can put them in that that situation that he's been building toward and drive that lesson home. Now, he would be possibly uncomfortable with characterizing it that way because he's very vehement about I'm just a storyteller. I'm 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 entertaining you. I'm not trying to like teach any lessons or anything. Well, too bad. Yeah. So, Todd, walk us through what happens in that confrontation. Well, that the the confrontation when when Odium comes in and and brings the army with him, um Dalinar is Dalinar is faced with this with the with the one choice that he that he can the only choice that he can make, which is I challenge you to single combat for the fate of Roshar. He can't he can't beat the army. They'd have no way of being able to beat the army, especially when he discovers and sees the thrill taking over all of the Alethi troops that have been started that should have been on Dalinar's side. So there's betrayal that's involved um, from from the Alethi warriors. There's um, there's a feeling of futility that there's no way to hold his coalition together. His coalition is going to the four winds. They're scattering as fast as they can. And when and and I love I love the the part in in the uh, description when Navani says and there's one man one old man walking across the field with a book. Um, <laughs> and as he goes out carrying the... His, it's almost as good as when Lyft says, he, he asks he, Lyft if she has any weapons, and she goes, no, I can't read. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Can you, can, you, can, you summon it, can you summon him as a weapon? She said, why would I have him as a book? And then, <laughs> and then she gets, makes him as a rod instead. That's even... Well, I'm sure we'll get to that later. But the, the moment where he says, I challenge you to single combat, choose your champion. And he says, oh, I already have. And that moment, um, so, okay, I really hate Ryan. <laughs> I, told you, I told you, we're getting into the deep stuff right we, away. Uh, There's going to be a lot of emotional reactions the, tonight. The, the, um, the moment when, when Dalinar discovers and is, and is made to face everything that he has done and is shown, you have been played. And you have been played by me far better than you ever think you could have played anyone else or played any situation um, for me uh, was one of three spots in this section that I um, sobbed uncontrollably. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, fairly, a fairly surface emotional person anyway. My emotions go to the surface very easily. But at that moment, when he was overwhelmed again with everything that, it, that he had done and had to face it again, especially Evie's death, was um, for me just impossible to fathom and not come away from it, um, moved and disturbed and saddened. And I sat in my car and did not go in my house um, as, as all of you know, I'm, I'm listening to it because it's the only way I'm going to get through the material. And I, I sat in the, I sat in my driveway, tears streaming down my face. One of my kids came by and said, dad, are you okay? I'm fine. I'll be in a minute. <laughs> okay. That's weird. It went back inside. Um, just absolutely, um, a, a horrendously painful moment. 
for me, the thing that was, um, that perhaps made it that much more personal. Uh, and I don't know if this is, if, if this means anything, but I have, I have had a moment where I realized how much pain I have caused another person. Um, and in that moment when he was talking about how he had, how he had murdered Evie and that he had to deal with it. I, I remembered the feeling of betrayal and of hurt and of how, how hard it was to try and salvage that piece of that relationship. Um, it took a lot, a lot more than a lot more time than Dalinar was allowed, but every bit as, as, as much emotion. And it was, um, for me, it struck a chord and it, it, it was a very raw nerve. And from that point forward, um, I, I could not stop reading. I could not stop listening. Um, I went in my house and I read for two and a half hours. My wife is like, what are you doing on your phone? I'm like, I'm not texting anybody. I'm reading. I'm going through this. Um, we skipped, I skipped a couple of meetings for some other stuff that was going on because I just needed to finish it. It was that compelling. He, he could have simply left it there and it would have been an amazing, powerful, beautiful uh, moment, a masterpiece of a moment in this story. But he didn't. No. He... He has Dalinar go through this. They're going through the confrontation. Eventually, uh, so Odium is saying, give me your pain. This is too much. You can't handle this. Give me your pain. And Dalinar eventually says, no, I will not. This is what makes me who I am. You my cannot history, have my pain. My history makes me who I am. You can't have it, you know, pain and all. And so he comes to this acceptance. And then a few pages later... He goes into the thrill. He steps into that cloud, that red cloud of the thrill. And at that point, he has to relive all those things all over again. He's seeing all of those moments again. And that part was wonderful to me because as he accepts all of this, he was able to do that. And it, it was remarkable to me that that moment when he steps in and starts reliving everything yeah. once again, it was done with very little fanfare. Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. Very little fanfare. Brandon mentions it. He talks about how he sees these things, but it kind of rolls off of him at this point. And that's what that kind of acceptance can do. I I do think that there is a fine line between accepting who you are and not trying to get better, if yeah. that makes sense. And so I think sometimes those can get confused for us. Um, but this is a great example of of saying like, my past is me and that's okay. Well, and that's why his the ideal that he swears when he says you cannot have my pain and 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 ascends because that's what he does in that moment. Um, it, the if I must fall, I will rise each time a better man. That's what differentiates the the person from simply saying this is who I am and this is who I'll always be from the person who can change and be something different, who lives the ideal of yes. a journey is not finished until you stop moving. And that's why that I like, especially when he swore that ideal, it. It took it to another level um, for me, especially. That's it's not just recognizing who you have been and where you've come from, but that there is still more you can do and can be as you go forward, as long as you take that next step. One of the things that was interesting too about that uh, about the section when he goes in and he and he's um, engaging the thrill directly it, when he when he talks about it as uh, and when he says you you can't hate this you you have to accept it you have to understand it it won't run from me because I accept it. I understand it. I'm not going to indulge in it, but I understand it. And this idea that 
he can trap the thrill, this this um, uh, spren, this unmade. Yeah, he can trap this unmade. Moloch, because he has because he has intimate experience with it, and is not going to run away from it. Is not going to judge it. It just just accepts it for what it is, but says, you know what, it's time to be done. Um, that that's that that experience as well for me was just um, was was very breathtaking. It fits very well into kind of what you were talking about, Craig, with the sense of also changing and being someone different is the fact that he is going into essentially what made him who he is, a large portion of it, that the thrill that we've spent so much of his backstory identifying and go back and reread it a second time. There's a lot of times that it's, uh, that the thrill is mentioned. Um, and that he craves it. Yeah. And, and that's what makes him the black thorn. He realizes that in order to, and the way he says it to, I think, I think he says it to Lyft or someone like that, or no, he says it to Kaladin. Um, the enemy brought a big stick and I'm going to go take it away. That that's a great line. He, he has to go face what made him him and change and, and deal with it. Like, it's not just, okay, yeah. now I'm going to move forward. Like, he actually is kind of dealing with it by going and taking this away from the enemy. And I, for me, that was an, another, we want to call it part of a repentance process or whatever, sure. like that it was him yeah. changing by going and, and facing what made him him. There's still more to go, but that was a big step and a big physical way for them to do that. And now they have an unmade trapped in essentially a Fabriel. Don't know what you can do with it, but and it, maybe. And um, it blew the diagram that yeah. Taravangian had. That's that's the other thing that I think was really interesting is that as soon as that, you know, not not as soon as it's over, but after that's over, then Taravangian gets approached by Odium and, he's, and he says, oh, boy, I guessed this one wrong. Now what do I do? Okay, I've got to make a different deal, a different pact. Uh, and oh, it's so many, so many interesting well, things. And the thing is, is it still functions because um, Odium kind of looks in that section. Odium looks at the diagram and goes, "Wow, you know, now you want to see how much of this I see? Like you're, yeah, you're doing good." Yeah. And he opens up and expands everything. And Teravangian's mind goes, "Wow, there's so much more to this." But you know, there's still pieces that that's still going to be a, a a factor that's played. It's not a written off piece yet. Yeah, but yeah. It it's enough to to realize that two things in this story or two things in this moment um, really tweaked some things. One is the diagram can be can be proven wrong. And the other thing was Renarin when he says, my visions, they can change because Yasma doesn't. <laughs> don't don't look at me like that, Todd. Todd's starting to get emotional again. And it's going to get me going. Um, when Yasna looks at Renarin and decides to be the loving sister instead of... Aunt. Right? Instead of... Or, uh, cousin. 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 Yeah, the, right. loving, the loving family member. <laughs> Decides to be that instead of the righteous, per, you know, the uh, justice, the justice wielder. Well, yes, she. Yeah, she's before. She's been the embodiment of um, what was I talking about? Pragma pragmatism. pragmatism. Yeah, yeah, she's she's our pragmatist, and it it would be pragmatic to murder that dude right away. Yes, get rid of him, right? But no, she is. It, it's. Family is a funny thing that way, right? She should be able to recognize the worth of a human being regardless of their uh, blood connection, right? But sometimes it takes that little little bit extra, right? Knowing that that person is family and that means something. So it's a good moment. It was, it was a very good moment. It answers for us the thing that we come back to frequently in fantasy literature that it, the concept of free will, like 
they can change these destinies. They can change what's been put out in the future. They can change those things. Um, nothing is for certain. So if you want to ask if does free will exist inside this world? Yes. Right. Choice and accountability are, are themes that have run through um, Sanderson's work. I mean, they run through, they run through a lot of works that let, you know, if we're, if we're fair, that's, that's what a lot of literature deals with is the idea of how much choice do you have? How much responsibility do you take for your choices? And this section does that for all of the major characters. It's a theme that each one of the characters deal, they deal with it with Amaram, they deal with it with Teft, they deal with it with Renarin, they deal with it with Dalinar, they, with Kaladin, with all of, all of these characters Rock. deal with, oh, Easy, Todd. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> it's not going to be a pretty night. <laughs> Todd's an ugly crier. I am an ugly crier. <laughs> and you don't believe me watching on TV. You know? yeah, thank goodness for YouTube. Well, it's funny talking about accountability because on the flip side, you have Moash, who apparently has sold his soul to Odium. Um, yep. Okay, so now we're getting into why Moash. people started a, uh, a subreddit called Yes. Moash. Yes. So... Megan, walk me through what happens. What does Moash do? Well, after he killed Elokar, apparently he um, went back to kind of being a slave of sorts to the Parshendi, um, hanging out in Kolinor. He's been trying to clean up the castle, but they ask him not to clean up Elokar's blood because it's, I don't know, a badge of honor. Uh, but he is well thought of apparently and well taken care of by the Parshendi, by the listeners, by the fused because he did kill a king and then they start asking him to do other unsavory things for him. Like what? They give him a gold dagger with a sapphire on the handle and ask him to kill one of the heralds whose name I cannot pronounce. Jezrean. 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 Yeah. So the dagger that he's given this, I, I do want to get into the choice, but you just reminded me the dagger is specific. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's made of a specific kind of metal, which in the Cosmere could mean something. It also has that sapphire on the hilt, which in which on starts Roshar, glowing on yeah. Roshar that means something, right? Right, yep. and so there could be some sort of spren in there. Um, do you think? Do you think that it took the herald's soul, and now it's in the? I don't know. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> that's what I. That's okay. what I guess. I'm sorry. I'm just turn I'm this one over to I got Ryan. Real no, that that's not a definitive. Like, yes, that happened. That's if you do. I think that absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I think that they are trying to capture because the herald souls are what are connected to the oath pact, and if they can gather those souls back, they could imprison their gods again by locking the souls. Like that's kind of a, a theory I've been working through, but yeah, I absolutely think that they have, in some way, either captured the soul or done something that that sapphire is now essentially a, a fabriel of a god you're working a, through a you're working through theories do you have a diagram um i have i've been drawing in a drawer nice <laughs> in on round under yeah but uh, he does this and he has a conversation with one of one of the fuse just saying basically what i wrote it down it's i have no passion just numbness and she says you've given him your pain he will return it human when you need it Ugh, but he's oh, basically dead inside disgusting. and he's a slave yeah. Well, and they rename him. Oh, that's true. His name is now Vire. It's, yeah, V-Y-R-E, Vire. Like fire. Combination of vile and liar. Yes, that's exactly what it is. No, it actually does have a meaning, and I just can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Um, I, I, I'm having a hard time hating Moash. 
I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm, it's not that I'm having a hard time judging his actions harshly and thinking that he's a giant douche and is making poor choices, et okay. cetera, et cetera. I'm so, not having So we're on board with that. that. But as it, it just, it it's, reminds me of Zeth a little bit, where Zeth does these, uh, you know, atrocious things, especially through book one and two, because other people hold his oath stone and he has he has given himself to a certain cause a certain ideal and holds to that completely in his case it is i'm going to be obedient to this or that i feel the same way a little bit about moash maybe even in the opposite way though where he has every every step in his journey that, that we've seen every time he tries to make a decision it's the wrong one and he's ruining everything. It's sort of what Kaladin went through with Bridge mm-hmm. Four. Every single time I try to make a decision, it turns out horribly wrong. I'm done. Who's that over there? I don't care. They can make my decisions for me. And that so it's kind of I, I feel a little bit of a similarity there where he he is broken and this is what he's finding to fill himself, uh, versus what we see with the radiance. And so it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, we uh, hate the sin, not the sinner, and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, that's kind of how I feel about Moash right now. Like, he is he is on a horrible path, and I hope that he turns himself around. Uh, but I'm having a hard time just straight up hating him the way that everybody seems to hate him. He, so, Ken put it beautifully in his last recap in our second episode. I think he calls him the anti-Kaladin. Because he makes every decision opposite of what Kaladin is deciding. Because right. I think you're right, he's facing a lot of the same things. Um, and basically, there, I think we what we originally had was a setup between Kaladin and Zeth as opposites. Now Zeth is on, he's swapped, and so we need a new foil for Kaladin. And Moash has been set up to do that very nicely. He yeah. even has the same blade that Zeth had. Nice. He has the uh, honor blade that's right. of Jesuit. So he's now a Windrunner again. So he can do that. Um, and that brings... Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, that brings up the next thing that I thought we might want to talk about. I, if you're cool with moving on to a new character, um, I want to talk about Zeth. And Temporal <laughs> Shenanigans asks, Zeth's heel turn, he calls it a heel face turn, but I've usually seen the expression as a heel turn, uh, felt satisfying, earned, and natural, or felt rushed, unearned, and off? So basically what happens oh. is... He is he he's a bad guy. He's the antagonist. He's the assassin in white and everybody's scared. He's hiding under their bed or whatever. And in this book, he goes on a journey with the uh, uh what are they called? Skybreakers. 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 He's with the Skybreakers training with them and they're asking him to do things that he's not sure that he should do and so suddenly in a page he joins Dalinar. Team Dalinar. Joins Team Dalinar. Doesn't even tell anybody on Dalinar's side. He just makes the decision and then goes and starts fighting for him. It's great. Uh, so they're all really confused. Best <laughs> but, entrance into the fight after Dalinar. Yeah, yeah. Cleaves <laughs> so, a thunderclass in half as he comes flying down. Just... <laughs> so as far as whether it feels earned or unearned, I'm going to go with earned on this one because it is so fitting with his character. Uh, because he is such an idealistic person um, and he he holds to his oaths incredibly strongly. And so it makes sense to me that he 
when he changes his mind, he changes it hard and fast and then holds to that, right? So it, it felt natural to me. I, I was, I'm kind of surprised that you say that none, simply because of the way that you recapped it, because that's not how I see his story at all. Well, and I, I actually, I was, I was rushing through it. There's a whole lot that goes into it leading up to part five, right? which is why, which is why I, I am firmly in the camp that this was definitely earned and not, it was yeah. not, I wouldn't even call it a heel face turn because Zeth book one is a slave to a rock. <laughs> he does what anyone says to him and his and his dedication and obedience earns him the notice of one of the heralds who says to him i will show you the ways of of the skybreaker basically of those who dictate law now that you don't have to pay attention to a rock you know and, and obey a rock or uh, whatever this person with the rock says so he starts studying the concept of what does it mean what does law and justice and all these things mean and so he's still trying to figure out, he hasn't actually made a decision as to who he is or what he's doing. He's just studying this. And he realizes that as a skybreaker, like this ideal fits me so well, because I do believe in justice. I do believe in these things. Like that's what I'm going for. But when it comes to the point of deciding what justice and what law do I believe in, he hasn't made that decision until he discovers, I don't know if I can make that decision, but there's one man that I have met that I've come across that I believe has the the moral ground to be able to to make that sort of decision that I can turn to, and that's why he swears to Dalinar. How do we feel about this? Because I am always deeply uneasy with the idea that you put your faith in people rather than ideas, uh, you know, or deities for that matter, um, because people are so fallible. Now Nin really takes my side on this, and he's so he uh, Zeth asks Nin can I swear to a person instead of the law or whatever concept? And he says, yes, you can, but I really don't recommend it. And I, that's kind of how I feel about it. How do you feel? In some ways it felt like he's, he's traded the idea of, I will follow whoever's morals holds my rock to, I will trust this person with my rock forever. Um, at least that's how I processed it in my head. He's, he's made this, uh, I feel he, like we need to make t-shirts out of that. Will, <laughs> will you hold my rock? This I'm be like sure the, the that it's really right? going to be a big problem. Um, and the last rock goes to, it, it, I'm not even going to touch anyway, that sorry, one. Go on. Let's not, let's not touch the rock or the spheres, shall we? <laughs> um, the, uh, but, but that, that, that idea that we have a tendency to trust others rather than make moral judgments ourselves is something that all of us struggle with to a certain extent. You mentioned it quite nicely, Craig. We, we, we look for something that we can rely on, that we can focus on, that we can use as our, as our compass, as something that we can measure ourselves against. Yes, I recognize that doing that for a person uh, and with that one person's set of values and standards, especially when you know so little about them, can be extremely dangerous. However, we're in the world of fantasy literature, and um, we've we've kind of clarified the idea that if someone is going to, st I th and I think for me the the thing that made this work is that um, is that Zeth was watching Dalinar stand against Odium, and he says, and 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 he senses something about that. I at least as I was reading it. It felt like he was saying, I sense something different about someone who is willing to stand up to this being, this individual. And that's what 
tips him over the scale. So for me, it feels, yeah, okay, I, I'm, I'm buying this. Would I be the same kind of, would I be the person that would do that in the same kinds of situation? No idea. Do I, do I buy it as a plot device? Absolutely. Am I comfortable with it? Absolutely not. Because I have the feeling that we're going to discover layers of, of, um, variability of changeability in, in the way that we look at things now that we have discovered that humans are the void bringers, especially when we hear that Zeth's skin becomes marbled after using night blood for quite so long. Um, I'm curious if there's something going on with that. Do you, do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. I, I know it, what you're thinking of. If you go back, um, other times Nightblood has been used he's he's he drains so much out of a person that it leaves that sort of thing which honestly I really want if it hasn't been made already some fan art of Lyft and Zeth together, together. after that moment where they've each got some of that yes. Nightblood drain yes uh, it's up to you thanks guys there, we I'm love not that not that good of a drawer so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good drawer a drawer well okay. and Nightblood coming from uh don't know the name of the planet where he comes from but he comes from a place where color means so much. And you have Zeth, who is the assassin in white, and then he now has some gray in him as well. And I don't know if that means anything, but I just thought I'm that sure was Brandon kind of a will cool, find some way to make it mean I'm, something. Kind of a cool concept. And I'm not overly like, and I'm not overly concerned about Zeth and his moral base for the next little while, because his next thing, and this is a prediction. I know you were, this might have been something we've done, we've done later, but. Zeth is going to go cleanse Shinovar. That's Ooh. his thing. Where the honor blades have been kept for years. If like, it's that's, okay with Dalinar. Yeah, and that's the thing is that is going to be his big, that's going to be his book, is the cleansing of Shinovar. And that I well, think... Well, at least it's not the taint. Thank you, Wheel of Time fans. Yes, that's that's the call out that the Wheel of Time fans wanted. <laughs> Back to the taint. Um <laughs> Yeah, I so I think we'll get. I'm, like I said, I'm not worried about Zeth's moral compass because I think he's actually going to separate from everyone else for a little while. They'll be dealing with something else while he goes to cleanse Shinovar and reclaim the honor blades. And ooh, that could be an entertaining. And I think now that we have a couple of heralds in the mix now as well, because they walked up and kind of met in the little round table of radiance mm -hmm. at the end of that, that maybe a couple of them might go along and reclaim those honor blades, and we'll get a better better idea as to what it is. Of the herald side of the story a little more so well let's move on to a new character i want to talk about kaladin so uh reddit user mtaal that's m-t-a-a-l i'm going <laughs> mtaal asks what do you think about kaladin's oath problems well First of all, it does affect oh, one, file in, one in I five. I knew you were going to go with this function. <laughs> it affects uh, one in five surge binders, and so it's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way right now. As opposed to, no, never mind. Yeah. So anyway, uh, there's a moment. So we're talking about Kaladin now. Let's just <laughs> let's just move on to him. He... The problem is I'm now writing commercials in my head for dealing with this. <laughs> Nice old windbreaker or windrunner couple walking down a beach. Can't say the words Floating when the moment's right. <laughs> it's a wind a windrunner and his friend walking along the beach. <laughs> say the words. Say the words. Say the words. Swallow this stone. Stop. So anyway, good people can see his blush now. We're good. I, <laughs> 
Lies. You said you like being one of the guys. Yeah. Lies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lies. So, Kaladin. Let's talk about Kaladin a little bit. Uh, he is kind of a chump at the end of the book. Not really. I'm just kidding. But he Dangerous has, words to say next to I me. I know, right? <laughs> but he, he has some trouble with his fourth ideal. In fact, he can't say it. And we still don't know what that fourth ideal would have been. And so let's talk about this moment. So Ryan, set it up for us. What's going on with Kaladin when this goes down? So at this point, they're in Shadesmar. They are trying to get through the Oathgate. They cannot. They've got an army. Um, well, some of the remaining um, fused are blocking their path. Um, well, not not only that, but they can't open it. Yeah, it they, will not open for them. They were the father has said that no traveling is allowed, and so they're not able to use the Oathgate to go um, to go back through the other uh, to the other side. Um, Adolin has been uh, stabbed by one of the fused and is dying. Um, and Kaladin realizes that he's got to save, like he, if he's going to save people, which is his MO, like that's what I do. Uh, he needs to take, he needs to go to the next level and Sills like, just say the words, you, you know them. And that's kind of been, it's a thing like they come to you when you need them, but Kaladin can't say them. And it, it's interesting to me and probably only to me, the difference between not knowing them and not being able to say them. Um, at the moment, Kaladin can't say the words for whatever reason. There's not really a good there's nothing that really says I can't say them because of I and and I think it's as as I was reading that I had to say to myself I think it's because he doesn't yet believe them about himself. Very it's, possible. It's something that he knows he he knows what they are, but he doesn't believe he can live up to it yet, mm-hmm. and will not swear the oath until he knows that he can live up to it. That's my thought anyway. Even yeah, even though uh, like this is a life or death situation, and you think that would push you over the edge to just do whatever you need to do. But one other thing here that I, this is more of a writing thing than it is like Kaladin's personality or anything, is Way of Kings, he swears an oath that gives him his power. Words of Radiance, he pulls out, swears, swears an oath. oath. And just, yeah. We get into this one and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're in trouble at the end of the book. Here we go. Kaladin's about to swear an oath. And like part of me is like, I am glad that you didn't just default to Kaladin swear swears an oath. Because then we're yeah. going to have... Kaladin has five oaths and he swears one at the end of every book and right. gets through. this is a chance to say there's more to discover. There's there's other ways of dealing with this. I haven't thought about that. That's a good point. I I don't know if I would have even caught the, uh, the seeming cop out at that mm-hmm. point, but that's a good point. I like it. Uh, what else happens with Kaladin? Any, anything of note besides that? <laughs> I mean, is there anything else that we want to talk about with him? The spear that will not break. Uh... That was that was I I do so he that's that's the chapter where he has his epic throwdown with Amaram. Sadius or Amaram who is the new who is new, who Sadius. Is new Sadius. Um, now Amaram I I actually this was maybe my least favorite part of part five visually speaking really because what it felt like to me is um, it there was all this amazing personal journey stuff going on with uh with dalinar especially but then with renarin as well and and even with kaladin and the inability to say the fourth ideal etc and then we we interrupt this program for the boss battle of some video game right so that's what it felt Hmm. like to me And, and now this is totally just a personal aesthetic thing so i'm not saying that he should have done it a different way or something like that. I'm just saying for me personally, that was maybe not my favorite aesthetic. 
uh, you know, this this guy. It reminds me of the Ganon battle at the end of most uh, Zelda games, yeah. where you have Ganondorf, the Prince of Thieves, and you do battle with him, and then you strike him down, and then he goes roar, and he turns into Ganon, and he's this big pig monster guy. You know that that's very much what it reminded me of, and so that it just felt a little bit weird. And I'm fine for people to say like that's stupid. You shouldn't feel that way. Fine, but I did. I think from the reference point that you have, though, that that makes sense compared to a Zelda game. Like, yeah, that totally makes sense. I I didn't. I actually didn't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it. You know, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> it's Kaladin. Uh, I didn't, it's, I'm Ryan, and I didn't find fault in a Brandon yeah. Sanderson book, <laughs> especially yeah. with Kaladin and anything that Kaladin does. Well, it's and it's for me, it's basically the timing of dealing because yeah, we're dealing with the ideal thing. He's already had a major battle where he kind of falls apart and can't battle, um, and this time he comes out, still has her moment where she's like, "Well, maybe it's time for someone to save you." Perpendicularity was formed, and then he comes through and he blocks this thing. This uh, Amaram striking down Dalinar um, in this epic cinematic moment when the choirs sing and the lights, you know, the lens flare <laughs> fades and then all three of them are standing there in a super epic pose and, you know, it's, yeah. it looks super cool. But J.J. Abrams will be appreciating the way that you've described that, yes, I'm sure. It's very, very in his wheelhouse to... Copyrighted to Ryan. Yeah, too bad. Sucks Copyrighted to J.J. Um, but I, we have been waiting for this showdown for a while and yeah. I didn't want it to necessarily be a final showdown. And I'm actually a little irritated that it didn't end with Kaladin taking him down entirely. Like Kaladin basically killed, like he, he, he took him. He was mostly dead. Yeah, mostly dead. Um, but I don't know. I, this is, it was a showdown that fit for a middle of the book series and for this portion here to get that out of the way so we can focus on the big baddie. Yeah, I sense. guess so. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, anything else Kaladin related or shall we move on? Well, I'd be skipping over the rest of the battle scenes. That's fine. Okay, hooray. Um, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> <laughs> No, wait, wait, wait! Just, before I, you're gonna, before to you're gonna skip over the, now. you're gonna skip over all the battle scenes because there's, because there's one more thing that I want to say about. No, we're gonna come back. We can come to the back. Battle okay, scenes. we'll come back yeah. to it. I okay. assume we'll going, come back to them because we haven't going, talked about Shalan or Renarin or any of that. That's for, true. For that's true. We need that to. Are incomprehensible because I did not plan this beforehand. We're going character by character this time. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I will say the phrase that with the the conversation between Emram and Kaladin as they are duking it out with each other. Yeah. I forged you. I made you what you are. I made you what you are. So if nine spears break, does, does it, ten, ten spears, ten spears go, go in, nine, nine spears, spears break. break? Did they forge the one that remains? It, no. They, 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 simply they simply showed, showed the showed, imperfections in the other or something like that. Uh, I should look that up. I should have looked that up. Before. Yeah, it's, it says, uh, no, it simply reveals the spear that would not break. Yes, there right? you go. So that's what he's trying to be. It was a, it, it was a, it was a great, uh, for me, it was, a, it was a really good level three conversation in the midst of a lot of level one stuff. So that was just what I wanted to say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Go on, Megan. Uh, no, I just wanted to say I'm. I was surprised and also a little bit relieved that the love triangle was resolved so quickly. Okay. Like, I, 
After our first Oathbringer <laughs> episode, I told you you would like the resolution. You'd be satisfied with it. Did you like the resolution? I didn't know that that was going to be the resolution. Like in this book, you, I really thought they were going to stretch that out till book oh, five. Okay. And I did think she was going to pick Kaladin. So I'm just thrilled that she picked the right guy. Um, I'm just kidding. No, no I think not. he was the no, right guy. <laughs> I think he was the right guy. Um, with the I... best explanation ever yes. to Adolin. Okay, so yes. what was it? I'm an artist, Adolin. I can look at a nice picture and not want to go get intimate with it. <laughs> <laughs> so great. But he can fly. Um, is that what a girl is supposed to want these days? Looking it up in the list of, of uh, manners or whatever it was? That was a great reference, too. Don't you know the guy being able to fly is like a girl being pretty? It's not everything, but it helps. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I did think it was interesting, though, that Kaladin... Like he sees what is happening. He goes, no, no, no. She's, she's chosen Adolin and that's it. And he just is okay with it. Like I, I was a little bit surprised that it all ended so quickly and so easily. But then I guess that's maybe it wasn't as easy as I, I am saying that it was, but it was, it was just nice to have that resolved because it was a piece in the book, but it's not what the book was about. But for a while of it, it was, it was, the love triangle was distracting me. So I'm glad that it's... Yeah, I, I never had a real problem with the love triangle. I As long as it doesn't get out of hand or too exactly. angsty or teenage-y, it's, I'm fine with love triangles and people trying to figure out exactly what they want. That's fine by me. I really liked this resolution mm -hmm. uh, just because it, it was so matter of fact. Yeah. Where it was like, no, I, I've made my choice. I'm good. Well, and she and, did have that weird moment where all of a sudden she was veiled and she's like, oh, but Kaladin. No, no. Yeah. He is not the one. Okay. That was uh, so maybe. And Radiant saying, well, we are both Radiant. <laughs> so at this point, maybe we should move on and talk about Shallan then. Hold on. I want oh, one oh. more. <laughs> one more Kaladin bit. One more Kaladin bit. And it's in the same section. One thing was I, I loved his response that you guys talked about was that um, he says, uh, talking about that she was... Uh, I felt something near her, a lightning of my burdens when I was near her. She reminds me of someone who he never answers, but he has referenced people. Tien, right? It could be Tien. It could be um, the name I've forgotten. There's a couple of the people in his past could be there. He never actually says that, um, but I do think it is Tien that he's referring to because he then talks about the rock. Like it changes yeah. colors, which is a yeah. callback to that. But when he starts talking with Teft, and they're looking at Rock, and they see how bro how broken Rock is now that he has done something that he swore he would never do. Um, and uh, I'll just read it because it's easier for me to do that. For the first time, Kaladin realized that Rock wasn't with the rest of the team. The large Horn Eater was sitting, stormlight extinguished, on the steps of the, one of the temples down below. Shardbow across his lap, head bowed. He obviously considered what he'd done to be an oath broken, despite it having saved Kaladin's life. We lift the bridge together, Teft, Kaladin said, and we carry it. That was such a touching moment to me. On my second read-through, um, when my read was a little more Kaladin-centric, um, because Bridge 4 from the very beginning has always been this great group that has built together, and it is amazing to see what power there is in people who care for one another and share similar um, ideals and, and passions and things like that. And when one of them goes down, the idea of lifting the bridge together, when it takes everyone, and if you think back to the bridge runs, men fell and the weight got heavier and got more difficult, but you still carried it. And the fact is, when they all carried it together and learned to work together to do it, it became easier and 
something that could be better managed by those who are carrying it. It is a one-line callback to the entirety of Way of Kings, and I absolutely love it. Me too. Yeah, it is, it is good. Me too. Uh, quick, somebody make a fart noise and bring it back down to earth. Please. No, just kidding. Uh, all right, sh- let's talk about Shalon. Shalon. Uh, our other of the of the big three. There's So far, there's been Kaladin, Shalon, and Dalinar. Let's talk about Shalon. She had, we've already referenced, kind of a... a a difficult journey to read through, I guess, in this book. People just weren't very satisfied with reading Shallan. Um, mm. Right. I mean, we talked about this in previous episodes. In part five, I feel like she, as as a readable character, she's redeemed somewhat, where I was just, I was kind of sick of her through, especially through parts two and three and four and then in part five, I went, oh, you know what? That was kind of a, an interesting journey she went on. Mm-hmm. And the the moment when she, so during the big battle, we're going back to the big battle, Megan. Okay. During the big battle, she creates all of these illusions and they're the ones that are doing battle with the other Alethi. And then when she runs out of Stormlight and she kind of sucks them all back in, she leaves just the two, Radiant and... Um, Veil. Veil, thank you. Radiant and Veil, and they're all kind of holding hands, and she's having a conversation with the two of them, which is a little weird if you think about it, but still, it's but it's a great conversation where she says, you know, maybe I'm just not as, uh, maybe I'm not as lost now as I was. And that made me reassess everything that I had read through the previous four sections and, mm-hmm. and kind of helped me understand what she'd been going through that I was too dense to understand before. And, the, you know, the things that made it a little bit frustrating to read. Now, on a second read-through, she's much more interesting through those sections mm-hmm. with that conversation in mind, right? So, anyway, how did you guys feel about Shalon? Especially you, Megan, I wanted to ask you how you liked her journey in Part 5 and, and through the whole book. That's a really big question. Um Somebody else go first. I'm not ready. <laughs> Shalon has, for me, always through all these books, um, been the one that I have the hardest time connecting to and understanding um, for probably various reasons. Um, Penises being yeah. one. Just throwing that out there. Thanks Please for bringing it back. I kind of yeah. wonder there what he go. would say if there I weren't we here. Uh, the same thing. The same <laughs> exact thing. Yeah, I listened to that one about the lift story. That was a lot of stuff said in that one. <laughs> what? I don't remember that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Shalon, the, the one thing that I think that is interesting about, or at least for me that was interesting about Shalon's journey, is that as she starts out, as we first encounter her, she is still, she is teetering on the, on adulthood she's not quite an adult yet and in the in the time that it has taken that she's that she's made her journey to the shattered plains now she's made the journey to urithiru now she's become a knight radiant she's doing all of these things at the same time that she's going through the final stages of learning to to be in well we say final stages but as as she's as she's coming into her own and being an adult and and getting coming to the point again where she needs to try and take responsibility for her actions um, we, she, she kind of mentions earlier, you know, I want somebody to tell me what to do. I got comfortable not having Yasna tell me what to do, but at the same time, it's nice when other people tell me what to do, as long as they don't tell me exactly what to do or how to do it. And she's, so she's, she's a teenager. She's very much a teenager <laughs> where she's dealing with this idea of what is it? 
what is my role in all of this? And it feels like that that journey is is coming to its is coming to its conclusion and setting her up setting her up for the next stage of her life, which is becoming an adult and fitting into that realm. Yeah, I really appreciate that she is starting to. She's had relationships with people, but she's built she's put up walls a lot, and she's finally starting to be honest with people. And yeah. she's going to tell Adeline about the. My gosh, the mafia. What is what are they called? Oh, the, the ghost red, bloods. Ghost the ghost bloods, bloods right. and her brothers are showing up, so that's going to be a thing. But she has realized that she doesn't know as much as she thinks she does, and she doesn't have as much power as she thinks she does because she she goes to Shadesmar and finds out all these cool things, but she comes back and sees what Yasna is able to do because Yasna has access to Shadesmar and just goes, um, yeah, I don't know how to do that's that's a lot of stuff. That's pretty amazing, and tells Yasna. I am so sorry that I've been running away because I was not ready in the way that I thought that I was. And I would like to continue working with you, um, which I think is a really adult thing to do, especially since she's been chafing against Yasna for so long. Um, yeah, I've just, I, and well, the fact that she does continue to learn and to grow in her power, uh, she creates a whole bunch of illusions, but they have physicality to them where they, the, the army try, you know, slice into them and they have weight and they have a little bit of matter. And then she just goes to the whole, and that's spraying blood and now it's gore <laughs> upon the land and like they are real creatures. I just, I thought that I, was really cool. So I have a goal because I, I think we, sh we can move off of Shallan uh, pretty quickly. It, it's funny that one of our three main characters is the one that we seem to have the least to say about. Uh, but I will say, opposite of ryan for reasons that i have not yet come to understand i do identify with shallan the most i find her the most compelling mm -hmm. um for me and i plan at some point to reread all three of these books uh, in one go with the specific purpose to understand why that is because i'm not sure i'm not sure if i do understand why it is that i identify with Shallan, but I find her an extremely compelling character. So anyway, let's talk about Adolin, who has one of the least satisfying uh, <laughs> yeah. conclusions to a storyline uh, of all time, I gotta say, yeah. which is when, and it could be not a, it's not the conclusion, maybe. It's I, just a conclusion. I don't think it's the conclusion. So he murders uh, Toral Sadius at the end of book two, and then it's all the way so in in part one everybody's like it, it you know it's like an episode of um of uh was it dallas like yeah like who, who stabbed sadness you <laughs> yeah. know and and, <coughs> and all through part one and into part two everybody's wondering okay who stabbed sadius and we got to find out and then nobody talks about it and then and then in part five he tells shalon he's like oh hey by the way i stabbed sadius in the brain and she's like, oh, okay, okay. let's get married. <laughs> yeah. And so that moment felt like a real letdown to me. I was really looking forward to what is this going to do to Adolin? Is he going to be, you know, is he going to be messed up emotionally and psychologically? And he he doesn't seem to be affected at all by this. He's a lethe. He's just another enemy. Well, no. but he talks about in this moment when he is, he's in his shard uh, or he has his shard blade again and he just he goes out on the battlefield and he murders like 80 people 
in the blink of an eye and he looks around himself and says oh my gosh it, this is really different than when i was than when i was fighting parshendi you know so it's so i don't buy that i guess that's just my point is i don't buy that he's a lethe he's warlike they're I'm, all about I'm, violence i'm messing with you on that i'm just uh, i know i know so anyway uh ryan satisfying unsatisfying how did you feel about that moment first that's the probably the least important part about Adolin's story in my opinion um <laughs> okay so what's the, yeah. what are um, some more important parts but first to, to answer your question here um actually if the world is on the edge of ending their response is, is okay um and he did it did mess with him emotionally um he's just he's been trained as royal his entire life and he deals with it differently and he's able to handle it to to not let it immediately turn him into kaladin who <laughs> Lord the wretch Bruce, yeah he doesn't deal with it that way, but he talks about it when he tells the Shul, you know, when he finally tells Shalon that it's something that he's had a hard time with. He's he, it's nice to have it off his chest. And when he finally tells his father, which is what happens in part five, like, you know, father, I killed Sadius, and he's like, well, sh- okay, <laughs> we're gonna we have to deal with this. We can uh, we can write up a thing. We you know, Dalinar, Dalinar immediately starts trying to fix it for him. Um, I like Shalon's mention at that moment. Uh, Dalinar just comes in and blows you over and just assumes you wanted to lie down as it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, son, you'll still be king. I don't want to be king. <laughs> I Part of the reason why I actually think that it's not that bad of a payoff for it is because that is what gives him the leverage in the ground to say, I don't want to be king. I'm not going to be king and I'm going to refuse the throne and I can well, refuse the throne. I just can't wait to not no. be king. Yes. And it allows us to have Queen Yasna. Uh, which I think is is great. Um, so, uh, and but the I more important, I don't think it's over. I don't think this. I don't think this portion of that. I, I think. I think this is a hiatus in this particular story. I think Iali, when she comes back, I think we're going to see Iali coming back, and I think there's going to be there's going to be some reckoning still for this. Yeah, okay. there there could still be something there. Um, That's my prediction, by the way. The bigger Adolin story, and I'm kind of joking about that being the least important, but the bigger is. Him and his, and his shark blade. Yes. Okay. His relationship to Maya. Now, this, Maya. Is, this was brought up by... Maya Zella, or her full name. I can't Zarquan's remember. flat tire. I don't know what that means, but it's a Reddit username. I, I Again, I always go back to uh, the great spaghetti monster in the sky. <laughs> um, I, I just assume that a Hitchhiker's Guide is the, is the reference point to everything I don't understand. It's probably true. Yeah. Anyway, so Zarquan's flat tire says simply, Maya. And, and he, eventually he or she expounded on that. Uh, Adolin noticed she was missing when no one else did. She attacks a fused on his behalf. Oh, that She's was awesome. able to tell him her name eventually. So somebody got on, on Reddit and responded to that and mentioned something that was a great point, which is that when she tells him her name, this is now again for anybody who's a little bit hazy on the details. She is a dead spren, and when they travel to Shadesmar, they discover that she is she, she. Her eyes are scratched out, and she can walk, but she has no like thought. She's uh, just she's be dragged everywhere. Mentally, uh, a mental vegetable, so to speak. Anyway, and so eventually, she seems to be getting some life back in her. Now, when she is able to communicate her name to Adolin, it, at this moment, Honor's perpendicularity has, is still active. All three realms are still together. 
So that could be a possible explanation for why she's able to do that. Perhaps she still exists in her full form in the spiritual realm or something. I don't know. Uh, but then Zarquan's flat tire comes back with the rejoinder that when she attacks Adolin's, um, or the, 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 fuse. the fuse that's about to kill Adolin, when she does that, the perpendicularity is not yet active. So there, so it could be that something is going on. He, for some reason, his relationship with his sword is possibly bringing her back from the dead, so to speak. That's interesting. It's a it's a concept because Brandon has said that you could bring you could bring back something like that, but it would be very very difficult in very specific circumstances to do so. Um, there's a few things about this that are unique. One is, this has been set up from the very beginning. Adolin has always talked to his shard blade. Oh, that's true. From in Way of Kings, everything. So there's a relationship that has been that between, has existed between bites of chicken. Yes. Right. This has existed for a while, so it's not like it's an immediate change of heart or anything like this for this friend. This is something that has been built over time. She's aware of his affection, for lack of a better term, for this, even though he didn't understand what she was. Um, and then. She, he's able to summon her in seven heartbeats and also he can throw her and hand her off things that which are not which are things you can do with a shard blade normally but you have to like tap the you have to the, do special things pommel, or whatever yeah. and it's no longer the case so the question is for me is Adolin able to form somewhat of a bond like the nail bond with her which allows her to to do those things and honestly the attacking of the fused is simply the, uh, in my mind, is just the effect of the relationship they've built. She cares about him um, and knows that he cares back and isn't just using her as... I guess, I guess the point of that moment is she's she shouldn't be able to care. No. She's dead, right? And so it's it it's an interesting moment that way. So, But... Uh, anything else that we want to say about Maya? I got a kick out of the, uh, out of the ex- exchange that that is written where... Uh, where Adolin says, oh, your name is Maya. Wait a minute. You were created to take down monsters like this. Let's do this. There's, I, I, I have the feeling that we're going to, we, we saw hints of that in one of Dalinar's visions uh, with the with the Knights Radiant taking down a Thunderclast in, a, in, I think it was by the Clear Lake in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm anxious to see how that how that plays into the future and what we learn about that. If if that was something that uh, that came with Odium, with with uh, the creation of the Void Spren and the the creation of the Thunderclasts as part of the original takeover of Roshar, and what that means for them moving forward, that they created blades specifically to take down those monsters. I I I got a kick out of that. That was where my brain started to go. Yeah, I do think that Adolin is destined for uh, Radiance. Oh yeah, and Maya will be the vehicle. You don't think for so? That. I hope not. You don't think so? You need a normie. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Ryan needs a normie. Well, you're welcome to your thought. I, the thing is, he's going to be. I think he's going to be that middle ground, and Maya is the symbol of that for me. Is the fact that he will bond her, but she, being dead, will not be able to provide him full radiance. He will be kind of this sub radiant, this a squire, a luminance. <laughs> I don't know. A luminaire. Well, but. all right. So that's interesting. Uh, let's real quickly, because we only have a few more minutes. Uh, this is going to be a long podcast. Obviously, part five always is. Uh, let's talk about Teft. 
Teft has a bit of a heartbreaking storyline throughout the book, and then part five kind of resolves that. He becomes Radiant Teft uh, because of a conversation he has with a Spren who wants to bond him, and he's really resistant to the idea and eventually gives in. Um, I... I oof, how do I put this? I love Teft's storyline even as I find it a little bit extraneous in a book this big, this is, you know, it's it's more page count on top of a story that's already going to be 1,100 pages anyway, and then you have a bunch of Tef stuff. So that being said, I I really enjoy it for what it is. Um, Ryan, are you satisfied with Tef's storyline? And, uh, and I don't know, none of us, as far as I know, are recovering addicts from any, you know, drug or alcohol or you know any substance abuse issues like that that, that you know. i that i know of um but uh so i wasn't able to identify with that um and i'm not asking anybody to cop to anything but but was anybody else able to uh kind of identify with any aspect of teft's storyline and find something more in it than i was i think the most poignant part for me is in the interlude right before part five where it's Teft and they run in and find that um, members mm -hmm. of Bridge 4 have been attacked mm -hmm. and the Honor Blade was stolen. And it's and, his fault. And they realize that, that Teft had sold his jacket for money to buy Drug money. drugs. And this person had used that jacket to get into and just Teft realizing that it was his fault and how horrifying that is. And then he's still being pursued by this spren. I, I could... I can relate to that a little bit where you just yeah. feel like you're a terrible person. Everybody keeps telling you how great you are, but you don't feel it. But you you let everybody else down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Todd, what about you? Uh, it, it hits close to home for yeah. several reasons. Um, the, the, thing about, the thing about Teft that for me was so compelling is that he has to get to a place where he says, I may not be worth it but the others around me are worth me trying again. And that for me, um, that hit close to home. Yeah. It's for not, reasons that I won't talk about on the podcast. Sure, no, I, I wouldn't ask you to. It reminded me of something Ryan said during the Way of Kings podcasts when Kaladin walks up to the honor chasm and then ends up walking away from it. Yeah. And you mentioned something about how when you're at rock bottom and... Your and your thought is there's nothing. Um, what I I have nothing to lose, and if you have nothing to lose, then you also you have nothing to lose by trying again, uh, and but to go forward, right? And and so Teft reminded me of that in in a big way. Um, the Teft storyline and his finish. It's not really to me. It's not about addiction. Um, it comes down to his oath. Um, I will protect though, even those I hate, um, even for the even one I hate, I hate the most is myself. myself. Now, is that his, so does his each, second oath. each night radiant has their own personalized oaths. It's not like all of the, the skybreakers and windrunners have their skybreaker and windrunner oaths. Each sub grouping of radiant will have a different set of oaths that they will swear to regarding what they are about but the specific wording may not be the same 
but um, the intent but behind the intent it is for the wind for wind runners it's protection um that's kind of their core yeah. um light weavers truth and things like that um this is a you bring it with teft but this is a theme in the book as a whole um dealing with yourself mm-hmm. and this um i'm gonna forgive me i'm gonna take a minute here and this is this book became for me one of my most favorite books I've ever read and has be, holds a very special place for me. Um, the series as a whole does, but the first time I read this, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of, just a little bit of frame of reference here. Um, the last year of my life was probably the hardest year I've ever had. Um, not everyone knows this, and so those of you who are some of my friends and people who are listening, some of this might come as a surprise. Um, at the beginning of the year, I walked away from the religion I grew up in. I damaged many relationships, um, especially my my own uh, with my family, um, with my, my wife, and literally drove that to the edge. Um, battled severe depression throughout the year and tried to cope with it by making myself so busy that I couldn't have to worry. I couldn't deal with anything else. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to schedule me was hard. (laughs) Um, And it got so bad that it actually hospitalized me towards the end of the year. Um, I collapsed from from just being worn out. Um, And the depression and the demons and everything just got to be so much that I got to dark places with considering self-harm and things like that. And I'm not saying this for pity or for anything or for therapy or whatever, but it's to give you a frame of reference. You take that man and person going through that and you drop this book in their lap and you put Dalinar. You put Dalinar on his knees in front of the symbol of hatred and cynicism and the champion and everything saying, I will take away the pain, just be my champion. And you take Tef, and this man who hates himself because he just can't seem to be the man that everyone else needs him to be. And you watch Dalinar say those words, say, you can't have my pain. And realize that the next step is the most important. That you just don't give up, you keep taking that next step. When I read that, I closed the book. I couldn't even continue on in the fighting sections. I just closed the book and I cried. 20 minutes. I just cried because I was there myself. And thank the heavens, the universe, God, whatever out there, for the people in my life who were the little glory spren that Dalinar has, that one last ray of light and hope, to give him the energy to say, I will, I will, if I must fall, I will rise up a better man. And I will be there for others the way that it is for Taft. That, to me, this is the power of fantasy and fiction, and especially this series, and why this is so important to me, is in a moment where I hit my rock bottom, as I understand it, it pulled me, with the help of a few wonderful, wonderful people in my life, it pulled me out away from the edge of the honor chasm and put me somewhere else where I can take the next step so that the journey isn't done. Life before death, journey before destination. 
<laughs> reading my shirt in the back, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strength before weakness. <laughs> Journey before destination. I thought maybe you were having some oath problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, yeah. Um, anyway. Okay, so I feel like maybe that's Ryan's <laughs> final thought on the book. And uh, it, what you don't want to talk about the fact that Dalinar ascended and became a god like Harmony? I, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a whole lot of other stuff that we could dive into. Uh, Dalinar has ascended. Um, yeah, Lift was able to walk into the thrill with no apparent, you know, uh, issues. Anyway, there's there's a lot of other stuff that I have notes on. There's a lot of other Reddit notes, but we can't go too long on these episodes. Um, Cultivation and, the Night Watcher, forgiveness. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening or if you're watching, I, I'm sorry, we're just not going to get through everything. There's a million other things. So if you go to the legendarium.reddit.com and you want to uh, bring up something of your own, uh, we'll do our best to respond there. Yeah. But let's do some other final thoughts on Oathbringer. Megan, uh, what do you want to say? Final thought on this book. Uh, I'm really excited that we got to find out a little bit more about Renarin um, and that he's being accepted by so many people in his life, um, starting with Bridge Four, but also with Yasna, and that he was looked up to as a leader during this whole battle and uh, embraced it in that wonderfully awkward way of his, but he did embrace it and he really tried and um, had a very key piece in the in the whole battle. And I'm proud of him, and I'm really excited about him. All right, Todd. Final thought. Um, I'm I I loved the exp- loved is probably not the the right word. Um, I benefited from immensely the experience. Um, there are the 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 words for how I felt about it just really are, are inadequate. Um, I've told my I've told my um, son. Uh, he's 16, and I said, when you're when you're done with the stuff that you have to read, um, Stormlight Archive is waiting for you. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to get to that before we get him into Mistborn. We're going to probably have him read a little bit of that first. Um, but it's it's um, it's a magnificent masterpiece, and uh, it's it's fun to be alive and experiencing it and participating in it to a certain extent. Um, I've, I, in, in, in the pieces that fought, felt that, that came together at the end, there is so much that I still want fleshed out. I want to know more about rock. I'm really, all of, all of the pieces were very emotional for me, but, but the, the image of rock alone, um, was for me one of the most poignant um, passages in the book, especially because that comes after Teft and is talking to Kaladin and saying, "I'm useless. What do I do?" This this um, connection that they have on Bridge Four has meant a lot to me to watch um, and to experience. So I've really loved it. Very much enjoyed it. Well, geez, guys, and Lopen yeah, at the, the end <laughs> Don't was ever the use a was the perfect. <laughs> Come on, Taco. Taco. Yeah, don't don't overuse it. <laughs> so, especially when Kaladin looks at now? it. Now, 
Good, Lopa. You're second in command of the until I come back. Zoom, and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Brandon, for making a wonderful yeah. book, but not leaving us emotionally drained at the end without anything to laugh at and bring us back up to a point yeah, that, it's that nice makes those, it feel... All those one-armed Hardazian <laughs> jokes are not going to go to waste. Or just one-armed I, uh, mm. Yeah, I feel like th- this is e- easily, without without question, this has been the most tearful episode of the Legendary <laughs> Podcast of all time. Uh, this is uh, episode, uh-huh. I think episode 172, and uh, definitely things, things got intense Ooh, uh, and so up. leave it to me to bring it crashing back down uh to earth so I, i'll just give my quick final thoughts on this i gotta say as far as the three books go the, in the stormlight archive this one was my least favorite to read through but part five itself makes up for that I'd buy in so so oh, yeah. many ways I'd buy that Urithiru, as we're wandering through Urithiru, it's a bit of a slog for me same thing with Kolinar I wasn't really excited about that same thing with uh, Shadesmar so you have set piece after set piece where I'm like okay I need to get through this I need to get through this but then once I did and I got to part 5 and all these things kind of came together and all of the payoffs started happening one after another after another I I, I was absolutely blown away by what Brandon was able to do once again. And so it's it, this is definitely a pattern with him where you have to have the patience to yeah. make it through what he's setting up at, at the beginning of the book. And I've said it a couple of times, and, and I'll mention it again here, I've it, it just in different words. I This is not a page turner for me up until... Page, page 800, page yeah. 1000 or whatever. There's always that turning point though. Brandon yep. always has the turning point where he says, congratulations, you're done with your life until you're done with my book. <laughs> yes. Right? And so he he definitely did that again here. Um, but I, I enjoyed the journey more with the first two books, but the destination on book three was maybe the best of the three so far. It's a so, long It's a long road, but it's a great payoff. Yeah. We didn't talk about Venley. Nope. We didn't talk about Wit nope. at the end. Nope. We have, you know what? Dare I say it? Do we need to do, a, do we, another? Are we doing another Oathbringer? Is we're going to need to do one more. Okay, we're doing another Oathbringer. We only talked part five. We didn't even do like full book. Like yeah. We, can open we didn't up. talk about any of the interludes. And there's, an, and there's interludes leading up that we have. And let's be honest. People out there, do you really are you going to be upset if we give you another Oathbringer episode? I think they're going to be pissed. <laughs> I think they're going to, yeah, uh, because they, we need to get back to Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. After all the weeping on this episode, I am excited to get back to Narnia and talking animals and little children, and it's going to be, it's yeah, it's great. No, this I I am excited about this episode. This was um this was like I said very very intense and I can make all the fun I want, but it is um it is interesting to see the different reactions that um especially Ryan and Todd our most emotional uh cast members have. Uh so that's really interesting to me. I come at things I I'm not a terribly emotional or at least outwardly emotional person. I'm much more um uh, driven by 
intellect. That doesn't mean I'm smarter than anybody. But <laughs> you, look at his shirt. Wow. Look at his shirt. It wow. says Els Collar on it. Look at his shirt. Means. Oh, that's right. Because I'm the <laughs> you're Yasna. Because I'm the Yasna. Uh, and and so that's the stuff. When I'm getting to part five, all of my like intellectual synapses are firing like crazy, and I'm seeing all these uh, you know level two and level three things. But I'm not necessarily connecting with it emotionally the way that you guys do. So it's really cool to see that. So anyway, thank you uh, to all three of you for sharing. Um, let's go ahead and cut and run. I'll also say if you um, have entered for the drawing, we are giving away ARC, uh, an ARC, an advanced review copy. Ryan, I think it's your copy that's yep. being given away. Will you bring that next time so I can see it? You, yes, you bet. Hooray. Um, you, if you've entered for that, I will announce the winner on Reddit I'm sorry, not on Reddit. Well, I'll announce it on Reddit and on Twitter because it was a Twitter thing. So I'll tweet it out, but I'll make sure I put it on all of our other platforms as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I will do that this week. I don't know when this episode is going to go up because this one is going to be a little bit more heavy on the editing than some of our previous episodes. And so I won't be able to do it tonight like I usually do for a Monday release. So it may come out on Tuesday. Anyway, point being, whenever this comes out, in the next 24 hours, uh, I will announce the winner of that contest. Now, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Head to thelegendarium.reddit.com. Head to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show and uh, to help us build out this studio and make it sound as good as we're making it look. It's going to take a little effort. So uh, thank you to everybody who has helped us in the past and who will help us in the future. Uh, all right. You guys wore me down. We're doing another Oathbringer episode. Hooray! All right. Yes. We'll see you guys all next time. Have a good one. Bye.